Life Audio. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Nicole Eunice, and I'm the host of How to Study the Bible. That's where you are today. I hope this is where you want to be. I'm glad you're with us. We are going to get into God's Word together, and I'm super encouraged by today, just as I was preparing. Um, I do the same thing that I ask you to do, which is take these four simple questions of Bible study and spend some time in my study Bible and make some notes and really ask the Spirit of God to reveal to me, to reveal to us collectively the encouragement, the the direction that he has for us today in our lives. And the amazing thing about God's word, because it is alive and active, because it is moving, it is dynamic, it can reach you and meet you wherever you are. It doesn't matter if you're East Coast, West Coast, abroad, wherever you are today, whether you are in just the highest of heights in your personal life or the lowest of lows, God meets us where we are, and because we talked about last week, Christ is in all, and in all things were created by Him and for Him. We will experience Jesus wherever we are, and that is the absolute good news of our relationship with Him. So we are in Colossians 2. If you're new with us, you may want to go back a couple weeks. We're working through the book of Colossians. We've got a reading plan. So we're just taking on a little bit by bit, a little bit of a passage each week. You can find that reading plan on my social media, Nicole Eunice, or at NicoleEunice.com slash Realtalk. And just a, a really easy way for you to get into the habit and the practice of showing up and asking these four questions of a passage and seeing how God gives you insight. Because as we're going to see today, that is part of our responsibility as believers, that we are actually knowing the things of God, that we are remaining in Christ together. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's get into it today. Colossians 2, verses 1 through 5. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, 
and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delighted to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Okay, so we're jumping in the middle of a letter. So even if you're in the reading plan and you're with us and you're reading week by week, this is Monday, so it's a new day and a new chapter. So let's just review The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the early church. It's about A.D. 63, early, early on in the church. The Apostle Paul has gone to different towns. He shared the good news of Jesus, and then he's left those believers who believe the word behind, and they've become a church. They gather together for fellowship, for teaching, for prayer. They share resources. They're probably in a house. It's a small little movement of people all around. And as Paul goes around and plants these churches, he's now also continuing to train and encourage them through letters that he's written. And we have those letters, and those letters form the bulk of the New Testament, our understanding of how the church exists in the world and what we're called to do and be as the church together. So that's what's happening here. And most of the time, these letters were written because of a conflict or a question, something that got back to Paul and he wants to address that thing. And so we're going to start getting into that today. And we get sort of one side of the letter. We don't have the letter or the request that was made to him. But what we do have is the knowledge that this was inspired by the Holy Spirit, that these problems that we see here, these human problems, continue to be human problems today. So we can actually understand what's happening in the moment that it was written, and then we can translate it for the moment that we're in today and what it means for us today. And we're going to see that specifically here because we've got this kind of practical thing that's happening here in this passage. So let's slow down and work through our alive method. The first question we ask is, what does it say? And I think that this is a great passage to really just try to paraphrase what stands out to you, what you're hearing or reading here. And so I'll give you a moment. Hopefully you've got your Bible open or your Bible app open and you're looking at Colossians 2, 1 through 5. I'm always looking for like the cliff notes, right? Like what what exactly, what's the point? What's What's the intent and the motivation for what's being written here? And I I sort of wrote down three things. There's many more than three things. So it's possible that your Bible study will take you a different direction, which is great. That's why I'm giving you a reading plan each week. So you can take your Bible study the direction that you feel led, that the Spirit leads you to go. So I'm going to share the three things that stuck out for me in this passage. Okay, the first one is this, that the goal the goal of our faith, the goal of our belief together is that we could be encouraged in heart and united in love. And I wrote down that that's the vehicle for how we know Christ. Okay. So, cause Paul says, Hey, this is why I'm writing to you. This is why the church was established and it's for a purpose. And the purpose is that you know Christ and you're going to, the vehicle with which you're going to know Christ is the way that you're encouraged in your heart and united in your love with one another. 
The second thing that I wrote down was that all wisdom is from Christ, is in Christ, right? So we see that. It says that Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I love the way I, I think Dallas Willard says, like, Jesus is the most intelligent human that has ever lived. Like, not only is Jesus your Savior and your Lord, not only does Jesus do miracles, but because all the wisdom and knowledge of the world is hidden in Christ, it means he is technically the most intelligent human being that ever existed. So when we when we seek to follow the way of Jesus and when we read about the way Jesus moved through the world, we're looking at the ultimate the ultimate expression of what it looks like to live in this world. Now, a lot of times we separate that kind of wisdom from, let's say, street smarts or intelligence. We think about smart people being people who are successful. They're really good surgeons. They're amazing inventors. And I love all those things. All those things were created through Christ and for Christ, right? But when we talk about living the good life and actually moving through the world, that is not based on the way we measure human intelligence. It's not based on how smart you are because the smartest human to ever live was Jesus Christ and in him is all wisdom and knowledge, which means we have access to that kind of wisdom and knowledge no matter who we are. It doesn't matter what you've been told about your intelligence or what you've been told about your smarts or your skills. Knowledge, true knowledge and wisdom is not limited by what humans may have said that the way you measure up. Amen. And that goes both directions. For those of you who are real smart on this podcast, who've been given accolades for your achievement and your intelligence, I want you to know that does not mean that you are smart in Christ. Does not mean that you are living in the knowledge of Christ who actually says this is the good life. Okay. I am getting, this is the problem, you guys, is that I love to preach. So sometimes I get on a rabbit trail. Come back with me. Okay. We're just on what does it say? What does it say? All wisdom is in Christ. The goal of our faith is to be encouraged in heart and united in love so that we will know Christ. And then the third thing that I wrote down that stands out to me from this passage is that deception is real. Paul says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. Okay, so now we're starting to get a little taste of like, huh, is this why he wrote the letter? Is he writing this letter because there's deception within the church? And as we talked about in week one, when we sort of did the flyover view and kind of what are commentators saying about this letter, that is for sure what was going on, is that as the early church was developing, there would be people within the church, not just outside the church, but people within the church who were adding to the message of Christ. And they were saying, yeah, it's Jesus plus this thing, like Jesus plus this ritual, Jesus plus this prayer, Jesus plus this way to live. And Paul is returning us again and again to the supremacy of Christ as in all things. So what we see here for me are those three things. Then I'm going to ask myself, okay, what's the backstory? What can I learn about these observations or questions that I have from this passage? And today I want us to focus on one of those tools that we have. Last week, we talked about repetition. The week before, we talked about verbs. This week, one of those tools that we have are our cross-references. So if you have a study Bible and you look at your study Bible, you're going to see little letters next to words within the verses, and they're real small, so you might need your magnifying glass. But as you read the passage, if you're in a study Bible, there's going to be little notations next to words in the verse, and those notations are going to correspond to the margin. And in the margin of your study Bible, you're going to see a whole bunch of other verses listed. 
That's what a cross-reference is. People have mapped the Bible (laughs) and mapped the ideas of the Bible together so that if you find yourself in a passage and you wonder, what does this really mean or what does this connect to? You can go over to that cross-reference and you can form, you can just build your own Bible study because you can cross-reference and kind of read similar thoughts in other places in scripture so that you can get the bigger idea, right? So it's easy for me to say deception is real, but what we want to understand is what is this deception specifically about? Is it something that appears over and over again in other places? Is it specific just to the church at Colossians? But over all of that, I always am going to be engaging with scripture, knowing that it is relevant to our life today. Like there's nothing in scripture that isn't relevant. Sure, there is Levitical laws in the book of Leviticus that if you read the extensive laws about mildew, you're going to think, how is this relevant to my life today? But if you cross-reference and spend time in Leviticus, you're going to get the bigger picture, right? And the bigger picture is about God's holiness, which is still relevant to our life today. So even though the mildew laws might not be relevant in that language, when I do Bible study, when I do cross-references, when I look for the bigger principles, the principles are still relevant today. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. So one of the things we're trying to figure out is, is this whole concept of being deceived by fine sounding arguments still relevant today, or is there a bigger principle at work? So I want to know that I want to look into that and maybe do a little bit of study. And one of the ways I can study is by using my cross references and going to other places to sort of understand what's happening there and what deception is all about. And what we're going to find over and over again around deception is that it is true that there are those within the church who will lead us astray. 
and who will add to the message of Christ. Pretty much the whole New Testament, there is this sense of like needing to return to the true gospel, needing to to make sure that we're not being religious for show and that we're not focusing on outward behaviors as a symbol of our piety and our holiness, that there is an actual heart change, a heart transformation, a heart transplant that happens when we are in Christ. And it is out of that place with Christ, that dwelling place with Christ, where all of the rest of our uh, sanctification, our holiness will come from. And that's all the way through and through. And yet in the midst of that, that there will continue to be those who intentionally or unintentionally lead us astray, deceive with fine sounding arguments, and that we need to be alert to that. And so the reason really behind this whole Bible study, the reason I do this Bible study is I want to give you the tools to be in Bible study for yourself, not because you can't listen to experts and teachers and pastors, but because it is your responsibility, because in Christ we have all wisdom and knowledge. It is your responsibility to be a student of the word and to be a lover of Jesus in a way that allows you to discern when an argument is moving toward Jesus or moving away from Jesus. And most of the time that happens inside the church. So it's super important that we understand that there are things within the church that are deceptive, okay? And that we want to be people, and this is not to scare you, it's to give you wisdom to really seek out the things of Jesus first and foremost, because that's what we're going to see over and over again. All wisdom is in Christ, that when we are in Christ and the goal of our life in Christ is that we be encouraged in heart and united in love. So if you are listening to a teacher that is giving you Jesus plus something else, Jesus plus these rituals, Jesus plus this way, Jesus plus the way that you vote, not that, that those things don't matter. But whenever somebody elevates your behaviors and some other stuff, up with Jesus, that's deception. That's not what scripture says. What we read in Colossians is that Jesus is supreme over all and that we need to prepare and align ourselves to be following the ways of Jesus. And here's a couple things about the ways of Jesus that you can go read in the gospels. Jesus is not anxious. Jesus does not worry. He calls us not to worry. You can go and read about the way that Jesus engages with authority. Jesus has a way with people. Jesus has a way with conflict. Jesus has a way with his heavenly father. And you want to know what those ways are so that you can follow those ways with your own life. So the backstory, when we read those cross-references, and I did a couple of those cross-references for us within this passage, specifically, I cross-referenced this verse five. What does it mean to stay in good order and have firmness of faith in Christ? Where does that lead us to look? And I went to two different places. The first place was first Peter five. And we see sort of this same idea of what does it mean to stand firm in the faith in first Peter five. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand so he can lift you up. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And if I cross-reference from 1 Peter 5, I'm going to go to Ephesians 6. This is how you build a Bible study. This is how you understand God. You just you, you take the treasure 
hunt the treasure map that's given to you in your study guide and you read around and say, okay, what is God teaching me right now? Like, how is my heart being convicted? What what does God have for me in this passage? Ephesians 6 is where we read about the armor of God, if you're familiar with that. And this whole idea of like, what am I taking up every day? Stand firm with the belt of truth around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace not the gospel of conflict, not the gospel of anxiety, not the gospel of condemnation, but that your feet are fitted with the gospel of peace. So we can go to these different places in scripture to build out for ourselves just a bit of instruction, a bit of encouragement, so that we know that we are staying in Christ. And that will help us to be wise and discerning when it comes to those who may be desiring to deceive us, to add to our faith with things that are not supreme like Christ is supreme. So what does it mean? A couple of things I wrote down. Main thing for what does it mean for me today, for us today? In order to stand firm and discern wisely, I need to be finding my wisdom in Christ by remaining in him. John 15, verse four, Jesus said, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So what does that mean for you today? Our last question in the Alive Method, what does this mean for me? What does these thoughts mean for me as I think about these ideas of what does it look like to be united in Christ, to find wisdom in Christ? And I just want to give you this exercise. It's just a simple one that people use in business and life all the time. And it's stop, start, continue. If you think about the ultimate goal of your day is to remain in Christ, what do you need to stop? What do you need to start? And what do you need to continue in order to be walking in the way of Jesus today? Is there some kind of input that you need to stop, that you need to turn off, that is not edifying, it is not leading you to Jesus, it's not helping you unite in love? Is there something that you need to start? Is there a pause you need to take in your day? Is there worship music that you need to put on? Is there a way that you need to pray before you get to work? What do you need to start doing And then what do you just need to continue to walk in so that you can remain and walk with Jesus day after day? Stop, start, continue. What does it mean to make the goal of following Jesus your highest order and your greatest goal? Talk with you guys next week. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.